Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are here to talk about your Cleveland Browns third day of the NFL draft, which uh, you know obviously consisted of the most picks that the Cleveland Browns were going to have in any single day. Uh, you know, this is pretty obviously going to be the case because you get multiple rounds, but the Browns had six picks, so there was a lot of action going on in these rounds. A lot of decisions were made, some good decisions, some surprises were made, and then some ones that left you scratching your head a little bit too, which is what every draft class does. We'll go through the picks one by one. We'll talk about some draft grades that were out there, some RAS scores that were out there, and try to give you some detailed information on these prospects as best I can based on what I know. Tomorrow, I will do... After I'm back in Ohio, as I record this one from Las Vegas here, wrapping up, about to get on a late flight, I will try to tie the whole draft together, look around at the rest of the AFC North, and then try to look at where other teams finished, sort of as a cumulative piece. But I do want to go through one by one and talk about each of the picks that were made and kind of give you my insights on those, and plus the trades, two trades that were pretty interesting as well. So... If you have not checked out the first two days, it's the weekend here. You're listening to this with the opportunity on Sunday. You could be listening Monday, Tuesday, whatever. There were other podcasts. Myself and John Colosimo got together after both nights, the first round and the second round, to talk about everything around those days, the trades, the picks, the tumultuous and wild first round. So those are available for you to check out. And then obviously at the OBR, we have news and notes on every single pick uh, with insights on these guys. And then obviously have insights up as well on the Troy Hill trade, the lack of uh, movement for Baker Mayfield, and just sort of a general look around the rest of the landscape. And then I will also get with you in a moment here on UDFA tracking stuff as well. So we'll start with the picks. So Perrion Winfrey, they get in the fourth round, third pick of the fourth round. They were actually with Winfrey. I was pretty surprised they were able to not only able to get him, but that the, the whole thing sort of worked out in their favor, that nobody jumped up and took him. So they take Winfrey, which is a massive need. As you know, I have been talking for a great amount of time here about how badly they need this player, how badly they need a, you know any interior defensive line help. And I think it's pretty obvious with Winfrey, it was a perfect mixture of best player available need. Winfrey was the fourth overall tackle on Dane Brugler's board, defensive tackle, also his 53rd overall player. So to get him at the slot that they got him in the fourth round, obviously pick 108 is a great bargain. Okay, So with Winfrey, I want to just reiterate some things that Dane Brugler talked about. He was a two-year Iowa Western Community College player because he did not qualify to get into Division I right away. So he had to go the community college route because of grades, got that right, and then was the single most sought-after community college transfer at Iowa Western Community College where he had offers from everybody as the number one JUCO recruit. He could have gone anywhere, Alabama, LSU, Penn State, Texas, uh, plenty of others. Goes to Oklahoma. Second team Oklahoma, sorry, second team All Big 12 twice. Has a nice career, puts together six sacks, five and a half his senior year. So he has to improve his pad level, according to Dane Brugler. But if he plays with a little better discipline and pad level, his size, energy, and you saw the energy. Just the, I think it's an all time post draft press conference with him. You need to find that if you can. All time post draft press conference. Pretty crazy. But the energy, and he says, the energy and power in his hands helps him to terrorize blockers. He has NFL starting traits. I do think Winfrey can be a starter for this team right away. One of the nice things about getting a guy at 108 that can start is the value. Just It just makes you feel really good about the player. So I do like it. I think the Winfrey selection was great. Every way you can chop that up, you feel really good about it. 
You can read more about him on the OBR's website. I will have a film room up as usual later, um, later as well. That that is obviously going to go into further detail about his game. So Winfrey said, "This is a wake up call. This gave me the fuel and fire to come into this league, sliding to the fourth round." Said, "I'm a dog now, though. I can't complain." 42 tackles, 17 for loss, six sacks, as I said. And um, you feel good about it. You feel good about this player at this value. You really like getting Winfrey at that slot. The next pick was Cade York. Now, this is controversial. I mean, taking a kicker here, extremely controversial for anybody. I mean, the first kicker off the board. Now, Cade York is inside Daniel Jeremiah's top 150. So you don't mind that. I mean, he's, he's, it's not a lack of talent here. It's just some people don't agree with the selection at the spot that they took him. So Dane Brugler gives Cade York a fifth or sixth round grade. The Browns take him in the fourth round. I thought it was pretty obvious from some of the moves they were making that with gathering a couple extra picks in mind, it meant that they were going to end up eventually taking a kicker, whether that was York or whether that was a kicker a little bit later. I thought that this was pretty obvious. So they get the kicker they want, a hyper-talented player. I think he's obviously a guy that, uh, if you listen to director player personnel Dan Sagani, he said, we're really excited to add Cade with this pick. Every game um, down there at LSU is a big game, and he came through. Cade's a very talented player. We're excited to have him. York had his introductory press conference, did a really nice job talking about himself and all the pressure and all the, the, the parts of kicking that matter. He made 54 of 66 field goals in his career at LSU, 164 of 168 on extra points, hit a 57-yarder to win a game against Florida. As we know, Evan McPherson, the now Bengals kicker, had missed a kick just before that to win it. So, you know, second team All-SEC, 15 of 18 field goals, all 39 extra points. He was first team All-SEC in 2020. I think it's the right move. Listen, you might think it's early. The Browns wanted to get their guy. It was important to get the kicker that they wanted. And, you know, I, I, what are you going to do? I mean, you can continue to flip a coin and hope you can solve it. Or you can look at the rest of the AFC North where I've had all these people complain to me. I want a kicker like that. I want a kicker like that. Well, Boswell was an undrafted free agent who bounced to several teams. Justin Tucker, you got lucky as an undrafted free agent. Baltimore did scooping him up. So you got that. And that's kind of steering people's decision making. I think Pro Football Focus did some studies on you know, if you're going to gather extra picks, actually taking a kicker is not a big deal. It's favorable if you don't have that situation solved. So if you're going to complain about the AFC North having all this stuff about kicker solved, talk about trading picks for Justin Tucker if you could, well then try to solve it. The Browns tried to solve it. might have been a little earlier than you wanted, but they tried to solve it. And there was a run on kickers almost right after. Okay, so if we go back and look at round by round, in the fourth round, so the Browns take York at pick 118, Kickers that go after that, there's two punters. Jordan Stout, the Penn State punter. Jake Camarda, the Georgia punter, gets selected. So it's not like specialists weren't going. If the right one was there, I'm pretty sure some other team would have selected York. The Browns could not have sat around to wait until their next pick when they took Jerome Ford. It would have been too late, in my opinion. So not many other kickers actually end up going. I'm not sure that another kicker got drafted in this thing. I'm kind of flipping through the rounds right now. Another punter, Matt Areza, gets selected in the sixth round to lead that one off, but I think York might have been the only kicker selected now into the seventh round, and it holds true. I think Cameron Dicker signed with another team in the free agent pool, but that's it. So I'm pretty positive the Browns had a feel some other team would have scooped York up. They didn't uh, didn't want to do it at that point, risk it, so they took him, and I'm, you know, I'm fine with it, man. Fourth-round picks are hit or miss. Try to get your situation at kicker solved for the long term. 
Okay, next pick up, they end up taking pick 156 overall, which is a trade that they uh, made with, I think the pick came from Baltimore through Minnesota is where that ended up coming back to Cleveland. They took Jerome Ford, drawing a lot of Kareem Hunt comparisons. Nice year. Started out at Alabama, did Jerome Ford, and a big-bodied running back. The Browns actually have a bit of a logjam going on at running back. They're going to have to figure some things out because they have like five rosterable running backs because we heard today that Demetrius Felton will be put as a running back moving forward. They're taking the receiver stuff away. So Ford was 2021's All-ACC first-team back, AAC, first-team running back at Cincinnati, was the AAC championship game MVP. 1,242 rushing yards, 19 rushing touchdowns, 20 total touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns, ranked sixth nationally, while his 20 touchdowns, total touchdowns, ranked third. So that's an impressive season. I think he's drawn some pretty heavy comparisons. I've seen a comparison to Kareem Hunt. I think you like to see that, especially because the Browns are looking at, hey, we have one more year of Kareem Hunt here before we have to move on. So to me, that makes a ton of sense, right? So Jerome Ford, in my opinion, maybe not the selection slot you were hoping for. Maybe you were thinking tight end, but ends up working out pretty well. I think it's a guy that they feel like can be a nice player for them, uh, especially in the future, but it does put some pressure on the Dearness Johnson situation, in my opinion, does leave that one a little bit undefined. And we'll see what happens with some of the other French things. Carrying four running backs would be a little bit, interesting to me but they might do it because it's the only option that they have Ford is actually a six-round grade 17th overall running back from Dane Brugler is his grade the Alabama transfer he says has room to improve his eyes and timing at the line of scrimmage to be more of a creator but he has effective blend of size strength speed and upside catching the football he can provide a punch to an NFL team's depth chart so the Browns got out in front of that a little bit but for the most part, feels like it was a pretty good one. Um, looking here real quick, Greg Cosell gave him a direct Kareem Hunt comparison. Good-sized back who ran almost exclusively out of shotgun, predominant zone concepts with some gap scheme, which is, again, the Browns will run a significant amount of gun with Deshaun Watson. Compact, disciplined, decisive runner who stays square to the line of scrimmage, downhill, north-south mentality. 5'11", 210, ran a 4'4", 6'40", 31-inch vertical, 118 broad. Here's what the uh, overall statement is from Greg Cosell does a great job with film Ford is a strong runner he's especially strong running back prospect with a good mix of size and running traits that would transition effectively to the NFL he's compactly built with a sturdy frame and advantageous combination of natural quickness burst and natural power with a strong lower half that allowed him to run through contact and finish runs Ford is a disciplined runner without any wasted motion who ran with tempo and pace and consistently showed a desirable mix of patience and decisiveness Combined with his short area burst and reacceleration, his traits allowed him to get through the second level cleanly very often. He has a downhill running mentality that showed the vision, clean and tight footwork, and balanced to work through confined spaces. While Ford ran almost exclusively out of the shotgun and was featured predominantly in zone schemes, his running traits would allow him to fit both zone and gap schemes in the NFL. The question as you project forward at the next level is this. Can he be a feature back and a foundational starting point of an offense, or will he be more of a complementary back and a two-back offense? He was not featured in Cincinnati's passing game very often, but when he did, he showed good hands and speed to be a mismatch against linebackers when he was effective on wheel routes. He had a touchdown on a wheel route against Tulane for 34 yards, um, and then he also had a big one against Tulsa on a wheel route. My sense is Ford can be a number one back in an offense, but a true volume runner who gets 252 to 80 carries in a season – 
Still, there's no question he has three-down traits. He's a professional back. Is there a legitimate comparison to made to Kareem Hunt is the write-up. So, you know, we were talking about the fact that they were going to take a running back. We know that they met with several different running backs, especially the two from Georgia. Uh, they end up going with Jerome Ford at that pick. So, altogether, not a big problem with that pick. I think it'll ultimately be a guy who makes the roster and will be an important piece down the line. The next pick for the Browns, a bit of a surprise is in the sixth round, they take Michael Woods out of Oklahoma. Don't know much about him. Arkansas transfer, went to Oklahoma. Woods is best as running vertical route trees, doesn't have elite top-end speed, but he tracks the ball well, has the strength to compete for 50-50 balls. He's not much of a deep threat um, after the catch. Kind of looking now at what Dane Brugler has to say about him, because I did not study Michael very intently. He says... You know, he gave him an undrafted free agent, Mark. He says, overall, Woods displays a rangy catch radius and long striding athleticism, but he doesn't have any special qualities to distinguish him on an NFL depth chart. So he sees him as a fringe player. He was a 2022 NFL PA Collegiate uh, Bowl. He was involved in the Collegiate Bowl. He got an opportunity there. He started 37 of 42 games, 118 catches. He really hovered in the 30 catch range. 33 is junior sophomore year. 32 is junior year, 35 is senior year at Oklahoma. 423 yards as a sophomore, 619 as a junior, 400 as a senior when he transferred. He did have 15 drops, so catching is a bit of a problem. Ran a 45540, a 15110 yard, which is strong. He had a nice 35 and a half inch vertical. So I don't know. We're we're just gonna kind of have to see a little bit about this player. I'm not entirely sure what the Browns loved about him, but we'll see what kind of way they try to use him as they're just trying to throw dart picks kind of at some of these guys who can be potential players if they break out and fit in the system. He was a 2021 honorable mention All-Big 12 pick by league and head coaches after a 35-catch, 400-yard, two-touchdown season. He started all 10 games in 2020 where he caught 30 catches for 619 yards and five touchdowns, posted back-to-back 100-yard receiving games in 2020, Two catches for 129 against Florida. This is why he was at Arkansas. And five grabs for 140 against LSU. He started all 12 contests in 2019 where he had 33 catches, 423 yards, four touchdowns. Started in seven of his 10 games in 2018 as a freshman where he caught 18 for 206 and a touchdown. We'll see. Get him in pads. Get him out there. Rookie mini camp. We'll see how he goes over the summer. Andrew Barry has not actually ended up cutting anybody that he has had on the roster from his draft picks. So we shouldn't say it that way. He has not cut a guy that he has drafted yet. We are getting into that territory where he might have to cut some people that he has drafted. Every other person that they have drafted has been on the roster today, but that might not hold true. A pick that we really, really liked here in the seventh round, the second pick in the seventh round was Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma. Now he's an older prospect. Okay. So that's a bit of a change here. Now we're in the seventh round, so you're essentially in UDFA territory here. But Thomas is an interesting, interesting prospect and one that I think it's pretty surprising that the the Browns were able to get him out of Oklahoma at this slot. Okay, so Thomas is the 23rd ranked prospect for Dane Brugler at the position, edge position, fourth or fifth round grade. He is 23 and a half here, 23.4 at the time of the draft. But if you're getting a fourth edge rusher with upside, you really, really like it. He was a two-time second team All-Big 12 performer. He had eight and a half sacks in 2020, eight sacks in 2021, 18 and a half for his career. 
You really like that. Brugler says, overall, Thomas has subpar get-off quickness and finishing skills, but he has NFL size, length, and strength to be a rotational defensive end in a 4-3 base, kicking inside in sub-packages. He's 6'4", almost 6'5", 6'4", and some change, 266. You do like that, the size there. He's a 4'7", 40-yard dash, so that's pretty strong. He had a 31-and-a-half vertical, 9'9", broad, 23 bench press reps, so again, Really like that pick. ESPN says he's a slippery pass rusher with good torso flexibility and active hands. He gets his hands up in passing downs, breaking up four passes in 2021, which is something the Browns defense really needs is some people who disrupt the line of scrimmage. He's a disruptive run defender who chases with good effort but has some problems holding his ground when teams run at him. So, listen, I think if you can get a seventh-round rotational edge player and somebody like Thomas, you feel pretty good about that. I do at least. It's a pretty surprising pick given the age stuff that we discussed, but you really, really like it. All righty. So back to the point here. And then he'll come in and he'll compete. I mean, there's Alex Wright, which we've talked about that they drafted, 78. But then there's other guys that they've brought in too, Chase Winovich, Stephen Weatherly, Isaac Rochelle. These guys are NFL experienced guys. Porter Gustin, defensive end, will be a really competitive position that's going to be interesting right away. So there's going to be a hot competition figuring out who the fourth, third, fourth, and potentially fifth defensive ends will be. The last selection of the day, Dawson Deaton, had not studied him, Texas Tech Center, 248th ranked player for ESPN. They gave him a 46 grade for their scale. Okay, let's check out what Dane Brugler said. He actually gave Dawson Deaton, a 6th, 7th round projection, 22.98 at the draft, almost 23. So a couple of late, older prospects. So they say about Dawson, he was first-team All-AC. Sorry, that is he's at Texas Tech, not All-ACC. He was second-team All-Big 12 two years in a row, two-time teamed captain after he redshirted in 2017. Honorable mention in 2019 All-Big 12. So he had the respect of the league, the divi- sorry, the uh, conference. He's a drive blocker, battles uh, – where he battles anchor issues, but he's a solid blocker in the run game and in pass protection, thanks to his movements, smarts, and patience, he can be an NFL backup center in the right situation. And still, even if I think Nick Harris is ready-made to start this season and you have Ethan Pochich, like you need competition at center to figure it out. They're taking more stabs here. He's hyper-athletic. He tested extremely well, had an over-eight RAS score, where he did really well in every, pretty much every metric. So you do like to see that. So that wraps up all the picks. So some guys in here you knew, some guys in here you didn't know. It's an interesting draft. I'm not going to give it some wild metric on my end. I don't think that that benefits anything to understanding the draft. We'll see two years out what these guys look like. Would I have liked them to address tight end? Yes, they didn't. I'm going to talk in a minute about stabs they took in the free agent market, but you know I feel like it's pretty solid overall. They got a DT, a DN, a couple DNs, wide receivers. They took a center that they needed to uh, eventually kind of address. The only position, again, they didn't was the tight end, and they took a kicker that I thought they needed to take. So I feel relatively good about it. I mean, we can check back on this thing later, uh, but for the most part, I feel like they got some players they needed, some good picks, and anytime your team does not have a first-round selection and trade out to their first pick being pick 68, it's going to be a grade that's going to be I guess, unimpressive. You're never going to get very many A's from the, from the draft grade, folks, when you take the first selection of the draft is pick 68. It's just not going to happen very often. You're probably going to get some people in the, on the data metric side who don't believe in it all too much. So let's look at how the Browns did in this one from Pro Football Focus. 
Okay, so we'll try to find it and go one by one. Um, looking at their overall metrics they do for each team based on some of the grades in their system. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for day three, they said Winfrey started his college career at Iowa Western Community College, which we talked about, big impact as a penetrator. Former Sooner joins a team that's already an edge rusher, um, that already selected an edge rusher and corner. They said Martin Emerson, day two, Martin Emerson, have to prove to be a better player in the NFL than he was in college, which he could because he was miscast in a system that didn't quite play to his strengths. He has elite length at the position and could make a real name for himself in press coverage. But if he struggles in off coverage and in space, he snagged just one interception in his college career despite facing 130 targets, right? But he struggled in that off coverage. They need The Browns will need him to be a little better in that off coverage. Alex Wright's one of the best graded edge rushers in the nation in 2021. He earned a 90.4 pro football focus grade at UAB. Two solid years and a consistently improving pass rushing grade. He had 51 pressures and some of the most dominant reps of any prospect. He has real size and power and has flown under the radar through the process, including pro football focus, who was way late to get him into their mock simulators. And then David Bell's a slow – is slow and fell down boards as a result, but he still has a super productive career in the Big Ten, attacks the ball well, great physicality at six foot one, two hundred and twelve pounds, and is a dynamic player by any means. He's not a dynamic player by any means, but he does enough of the little things well to come in and produce early in Cleveland. I don't think he's that slow. His his ten yard split is good enough, right? He still ran a four six five, which we've seen plenty of guys who have really productive NFL careers run that time. So I'm not going to sweat the speed all too much. I do not think he's all too similar to Jarvis Landry the way people are trying to point out. If you're just trying to base it on not being a superior athlete, sure, they're pretty similar players. But to me, you know, I don't see him playing the game the same way and winning the same way at the NFL level. Just me. Maybe he'll come in and be a power slot the way they're talking about, a bigger-bodied slot player, but... I don't know. We'll just have to see. The Browns didn't address tight end the way we thought they would, so that would tell me 
that maybe they aren't going to focus as much on 13 personnel stuff this year, but that remains to be seen. They gave him a B. Cleveland Browns received a B from Pro Football Focus. So we'll tie in the rest of the division and the rest of the uh, conference later. We do that tomorrow. Hopefully have that out for you on Monday. But that's a rundown. The only other thing we need to talk about is the big news of the day, which is the Browns trading Troy Hill. It's a bit of a surprise. Did not see it coming. Okay, They traded Hill um, back to the Rams, where he's obviously super familiar. He played his first six seasons there. They traded him for a 2023 fifth-round pick. He played six seasons with the Rams before the Browns. This is an indication to me of two things. They feel that Hill was a replaceable player. They will have to pay some money on the cap because of the void years that they had, but they'll have plenty of rollover and ways to figure that out. They're clearly not worried about it. They think they can get equal to better play from whoever they feel is slated to play the slot. Could be Emerson, could be A.J. Green, could be a little bit more of Greg Newsom. If they think that guy can be the same, they say, hey, we'd rather get a pick back for Hill, who if he stayed and we were going to let him walk after 2022 anyway, let's get a pick back for him in the 2023 draft and try to keep accumulating picks. And maybe that pick is used or maybe it's rolled into some trade to move up at another spot or whatever. Maybe they use it on a punter of the future. Who knows? There could be a value there. It does not automatically mean one for one. That pick could be used for something more useful. We'll see what happens. It does not come without risk. You might not think that uh, you might think that Troy Hill is still a player that the Browns really needed, and you could be right. We'll see how that shakes out after everything comes and goes with the season. We'll be able to tell pretty quickly. It's not a zero risk decision, but I do think their plan is to pre- is to recreate Hill in a better version or they would not have been in so inclined to just let him go. So he's a little older. He's in his thirties. The Browns probably saw the injury issues he dealt with last year and just said, Hey, why don't we get out in front of this a little bit? We have drafted now Emerson. We feel like we have talent, get out in front of it, get a fifth round pick back next year as we try to bolster the amount of selections we have. Cause they are even fewer selections next year. So I think I ultimately like the decision. We'll see what that decision ends up coming down to after everything is said and done this season and whether they regret letting him go. So uh, we will revisit that later. Tracking guys that they have signed through the free agent after the draft, UDFAs. DeAnthony Bell from West Florida. Okay, Bell had signed with the Browns. It was reported right after the draft. Six foot two eleven from West Florida, ran a 4 5 In 2021, he had 43 solo tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass breakup. Julius Falk, the corner out of Delta State, was the first to report the signing of Falk was Jeremy Fowler, 6'1", 205. He was a second-team all-golf South Conference selection in 2021. He had 28 solo tackles and interceptions, six passes defended. Michael Harley from Miami, who was interesting, he tweeted out that he was joining the Browns, 5'11", 182. He had back-to-back seasons of 57 receptions, 543 receiving yards, five touchdowns in 2021, and was better in 2020 where he had 799 yards and seven touchdowns. The Browns are bringing in competition at the receiver room nonstop. Felix Harper, the quarterback from Alcorn State, seems to be a camp arm here. Tom Pelissero reported he's signing with the Browns. He's 5'9", 164, started the last two seasons for Alcorn State. Named All-Southwest Conference Offensive Player of the Year in 19, threw for 2,954 yards, 33 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. He also rushed for 6 touchdowns. In 2021, he completed 61.9% of his passes for 2,476 yards, 20 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Travell Harris, 
wide receiver, Washington State. He confirmed on his Twitter he was joining Cleveland. And ultimately a really productive player at Washington State. 5'9", 185, caught 76 passes for two – sorry, in 2021 he caught 76 passes, 814 yards, nine touchdowns. Brock Hoffman, interior O-lineman out of Virginia Tech. The Roanoke Times confirmed this one. He uh, started 46 collegiate games, including 32 at center. So he'll have a chance to come in and compete at center right away. First two seasons were played at Coastal Carolina before going to Virginia Tech. So they like him. He's an interesting prospect, one to keep your eye on. Silas Kelly, the linebacker from Coastal Carolina. The uh, Coastal Carolina uh, Twitter account confirmed it. He's joining the Browns. He's 6'3", 229, who ran a 40 in the 4'6'2 time frame. Vertical jump of 38.5, a heck of an athlete. 109 tackles in 2021 for the Chanticleers. He had two and a half sacks, nine tackles for loss. First team all Sun Belt in 2021. Glenn Logan, the Browns committed some money to him. $60,000 signing bonus, I believe. He was a uh, little, little time wasted. He confirmed it. He was signing with the Browns on Twitter. Five seasons with LSU, so he's older. 6'2", 298, seven sacks, ten and a half tackles for loss. Interesting name to pay attention to in that D-line room. Zaire Mitchell-Payton, the uh, tight end from Florida Atlantic. He spent some time at Notre Dame College, Ohio, up there in the Northeast Ohio area. Transferred to FAU in 2021. Caught nine passes, 85 yards, and a touchdown with the Owls. He uh, had his best season at Notre Dame College in 2019, where he had 53 catches, 573, and six touchdowns. Ben Petrula, Boston College, 6'5", 316. He's a five-year starter for Boston College. His experience came at right tackle, but he's also started at center and right guard. Malik Smith, tight end from Fisk. He's a 2022 Seattle Seahawks draft pick. His brother was former Ohio State defensive end Tyreek Smith, confirmed the report. He was coming to Berea for a rookie minicamp, so Malik is going to go away from basketball over to football. He played collegiate basketball at UNC Asheville, Bryant, and Fisk University before preparing for a shot at the NFL, so the Browns are going to give him a chance. Okay, Isaiah Weston, this is the fun one. You're talking about a 10 RAS score for this, sorry, a 9.99 Isaiah Weston RAS score. So I don't know the reason why this guy would slip with that sort of athleticism. I'm not sure. Tate must be raw. Um, I'll have to look into this more and maybe enlighten you on tomorrow's podcast, but his RAS score was off the charts. I'm going to try to read some of this data to you. He was a 6'3", 214, 20 bench reps, a 4'4", 240 at that size, a 40-inch vertical, an 11'3", broad, a 1'5", 5'5", 10-yard split, which, again, to give some perspective, that's pretty close to what David Bell's split was on the 10-yard split. So, anyway, hyper-athletic guy. Might even have been as good as Michael Wood's selection. So they get him after he caught 37 for 883 and five touchdowns last season. Tested again, off the charts. So that's the list as I know them right now. I do not know of any other names that have been signed other than those. That's what I have. I know some of you are a little disappointed. Justin Ross did not get selected by Cleveland. Take one of those late picks. I don't know if Justin Ross is signed anywhere at this point. He's not selected in the draft. We'll keep you updated on that if that changes. I'm not sure. There could be some teams competing for his services. We shall see. 
That's what I have for the draft picks today. That's what I have for insights on trades and the Troy Hill situation and all of the guys who have been selected. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tried to get this out for your Sunday so you'd have some insights on the picks the Browns made in the third round. I will try to do a little bit more cumulative stuff tomorrow night for your Monday podcast with Brad Ward and talk a bit more about these picks and what I learn about them as I arrive back home and can try to sit down and read a little bit about them. So again, thanks for checking in today. Have a great Sunday, guys. A great kickoff to your first day of the month of May. Hopefully you had fun with the NFL draft is the way I did. My first time out here in Vegas, it was really a great time. Enjoyed it. The city's awesome. I'm going to come back again sometime. Don't know when, but would love to come back again. Had a blast. So thanks for checking out today's episode and continuing to support the OBR where that 60% promotion runs through the end of the weekend. So take advantage of that. We would love to have you join us as a, as a subscriber with all of the perks that come with that subscription and access to a lot of neat things that we offer at the OBR. Check that out. Take advantage. Have a great Sunday, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the 2022 draft. Coming back with more of that for your Monday podcast with Brad Ward. Check back then. Appreciate you all. Have a great Sunday and go Browns.